Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Philippians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3. Excuse me, verses 3 through 11. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. <laughs> Philippians 1. Verses 3 through 11. This is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Kim, I'm learning. <laughs> Go back to verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, and let's start this all over again. How about that? <laughs> Boy, I thank my God <laughs> every time I mention you in my prayers. I am thankful for all of you every time I pray. And it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you have been my partners in the ministry of the gospel. From the time you first believed it until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. I have good reason to think this way about all of you because I keep you in my heart. You are all my partners in God's grace, both during my time in prison and in the defense and support of the gospel. God is my witness that I feel affection for all of you with the compassion of Jesus Christ. This is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters, and so you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes from Jesus Christ, in order to give glory and praise to God. Let us pray. Father God, hear our prayer this morning as we dwell and think, Lord, on these words from your scriptures. Lord, show us where and how to put these into our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Don't you just love getting a handwritten letter in the mail? Now, it's very true that that doesn't happen much anymore. 
But when it does, doesn't it make it that much more special? When you open that mailbox and you see a handwritten envelope, you know that it was not sent there by mistake, that it wasn't just a blanket piece of mail sent to everyone else on your block. You know that it was something that was written to and for you. And it is special. Now, Paul had to be a very busy man as he wrote letters to the churches that he started. And he had to have enjoyed writing this particular letter to the church at Philippi especially in comparison to the letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. <laughs> you see, the church at Corinth had some major sin issues going on in the church that Paul had to address in the letter that he sent to them. But his letter to the church at Philippi is a letter of joy and a letter of love for the people there in that church. And as I read Paul, and I read this particular letter for today, it, it got my creative thinking going, and I had to stop for a minute and to think about some of the churches, of course, not that I started, but that I served over the years that I have been in the ministry. And I had to ask myself, what are some of the things that you would say to them? As I thought back on my very first appointment, it really taught me a lot about preaching. It taught me a lot about grammar. And it taught me how to look for chords in that space between the altar rail and the rest of the stage. Because on my very first Sunday, in my very first appointment, I tripped on a mic cord and I fell over the altar rail. And I stood up and I said, here I am. And that's just kind of the way it's been ever since. <laughs> but that church taught me so much. You know, there are some churches that are just meant to be nurturers of new pastors, right? I, I bet each one of us that are here that have pastored can tell you about those particular churches in our ministry that nurtured us and, and helped us not so bright clergy in the very beginning as we started out in our ministry. And I couldn't help but think about the church at Philippi, and maybe they were the same way. Maybe they were that same kind of congregation that loved and nurtured their pastor Paul there at that time. My very last appointment, and I've shared this many times, but it was an appointment that I was very disappointed in. 
when I was first told that I was going there. You see, I had been built up to think that I would be moving on to great things. This class of pastors that was being brought up in our conference, my ordination group, um, they, they told us, y'all are going to be great in the conference. You're going to do wonderful things in the conference. So, of course, our expectations were way up here. Well, that last appointment for me was in a little tiny town in St. Clair County. And I can remember, you know, pastors always make that secret visit to their next appointment under the radar to check out things. And I can remember Bill taking me on that trip, and I cried all the way there and all the way back. Because that was not where I thought I should be. But God, in his infinite, infinite wisdom, brought me to that place, and I fell in love. I fell in love not only with the people of that church, but I fell in love with the community that they were a part of. And I always used to laugh because the first thing I was ever told about that church and that community was, we don't really like each other that much. <laughs> and I just thought that was so strange. But God totally changed my heart. And the people that I left when I came here have become treasures that will be a part of our life for a lifetime. And then God brought me here. I found a love and a commitment not only to God, but to God's work. A love and commitment that you all have for each other. And what that does is it splashes out on the community that you're a part of. That community stretches all the way from the shores of Lake Martin to the borders of Tallapoosa County. In all of those places that you minister to out of your love and commitment to God. And that is something rare that you do not find in every congregation. The acceptance and the friendliness when you walk in the doors of this place just kind of sweeps you up and enfolds you like this giant family hug. And you feel like you've been a part of this place your whole life. And that's exactly how I have felt here at Red Ridge. But besides all of that, it is your commitment to mission that holds such a special place 
not only in my heart, but in the hearts of the community. Because people know the name of Red Ridge, do they not? Your reputation far exceeds the walls of this church. Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, very clearly stated his love for the church. I think Paul's expression of love was a true reminder of how that church began and how they needed to go forward. How they needed to go forward. I can remember when I first entered the ministry, I sought out clergy friends that I knew had been in the ministry for a long, long time. And I would ask them, Okay, what do I do now? I, I've, I've gone through this whole process to become a minister of the gospel, and now I have been appointed a church, so what do I do next? And one of my clergy friends that I will forever treasure for his advice to me looked me straight in the eye, and he said, Love the people. Just love the people. Find ways to love every single member of your church. That was a diamond. That was a diamond. But I can't help but remember back to that time, and I thought to myself, well, that's not exactly the advice I was looking for. I was looking for a how-to and what to do. And yet the answer was simply to love. Simply to love. And today, and I have the perfect opportunity in some of the positions that I hold in the conference working with licensing school, new pastors that are preparing to go into their appointments to give them that same piece of advice. Just love them. Just love them. Find ways to love every single member. But what I love about Paul's message here in the church to Philippi is he didn't just stop with his own expression of love to the church, but he offered a prayer for them. He offered a prayer. And the prayer that he prayed is one also that I would encourage every single pastor to pray for their church that they are serving. Paul gives us a meaning of love here. It's not that mushy kind of stuff that we tend to like to throw around today. But he's giving us a word of truth. Listen to how he prays in his prayer. That your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight 
I love that. That your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. Paul prays that the church would grow into a maturing kind of love. It's like he's telling the folks there at the church, okay, you have been nurtured on the soft stuff, the milk, but it's time to move on to the solid food, the good stuff, to become rich with knowledge. We understand that Paul is a rabbi, and we know that he knows his book, his book of scriptures, and probably if tested, he had memorized at that point the complete Hebrew Bible. But rich with knowledge for Paul meant that he wanted the church to spend time in the scriptures, to spend time in the scriptures, listening to them discerning what God had to say to them through those scriptures, discussing the scriptures with each other in the church, and allowing them to have the power of God speaking through them. He prayed for the church to grow in their insight into everyday living. And I don't think he was talking here about using the Bible just as an answer book. I, I think when we do that, that we are giving a disservice to the Scriptures. The Scriptures aren't just a place that we can go to to back our own opinion on an issue. The scriptures are where we sit down and we read with an ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever been a part of a Moravian worship service before. But in the Moravian church, everyone comes on a Sunday morning. They go into the sanctuary and they sit in silence until the Holy Spirit moves upon someone there in the congregation and whispers to them a scripture. That individual shares the scripture. And again, they sit in silence, listening for what the word of God is speaking to them at that particular moment. And when that discernment and that listening period is over, they dismiss and they go home. And they continue to discern 
what that particular scripture meant for their life in the days and the weeks ahead. Paul prayed that those in the church in Philippi or really wherever church might be for us as well, that they would love with the experience of being guided by God. He continued in his prayer saying that you will be able to decide what really matters so that you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I don't know about y'all, but that is exactly the message that the church needs to hear today on May the 22nd, 2022. What really matters for the church? Is it really whatever the current situation is or whatever the current denominational issue is or who sits where on any particular subject matter? Each church must decide what matters the most for them in their context. The culture of each and every church is just like us as individuals. We find our purpose and we get comfortable in the things we do. Now, normally we say in the spiritual realm that it's not good to be comfortable because comfortable usually means lukewarm, and we know what the scriptures say about that. But being comfortable, to me, is being doing the things that are natural. What are the things that are natural, that flow out of the life of this congregation? Y'all know the answers to that. It's everything that you do on a daily basis. It's the ministries that you create. It's the ministries and the people that you gravitate to. Those are the things that make Red Ridge unique. But it's not just Red Ridge. It is those very things that make Lakeview Baptist Church who they are. Or First Methodist Dadeville who they are, or whoever, fill in the blank, who they are. It is the life of the Holy Spirit that comes naturally out of a congregation. That is being comfortable. Paul encourages the churches to talk about things in the open. Talk about those things that matter the most. 
and those things that matter the least. And to see all things through the lens of Jesus Christ. Paul ends his prayer with these words. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes from Jesus Christ in order to give glory and praise to God. Paul is ending this prayer with a summary as a reminder to us all that our faith and our righteousness does not come from our own efforts. It does not come from the things that we do. But it comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Being filled from Jesus Christ is how we become rich with knowledge and insight. Openly seeking what really matters in the church. And then being open to God's Spirit. To fill us, fill us to overflowing with the essence of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the line, we have really turned things upside down, though. We work really, really diligently and really, really hard to be good enough, to be pleasing to God. And we have taken almost too seriously that we have to be good enough because God accepts nothing less. And He does not tolerate sinners. But what Paul is telling us in this letter to the church at Philippi is that we cannot become righteous on our own, but that we need the help of God to be able to give glory and praise to God and to be able to open our hearts and our minds to God and the transformation that that entails. Now, you notice here, Paul doesn't spell out for us, if you will, exactly what that righteousness is so that we can check it off a list when we think we've done it. What he does, though, is he gives us a pretty big hint, a pretty big hint when he points out that our righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. I think what that means is that we are to be more and more Christ-like. We are called to be more like Jesus. The fruit of righteousness is becoming a person in the image of Christ. We read and we listen to the scriptures. Then we listen to what God is speaking to us through those scriptures. 
and we receive the righteousness and we praise God and we allow him to use us to reach others. So this morning as we close, I'm going to pray again the prayer that Paul prayed over the church at Philippi. And my prayer this morning is that those of you who make up Red Ridge United Methodist Church hear and receive God's message for you this day. Let us pray. That your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters and so you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes from Jesus Christ in order to give glory and praise to God. Amen and amen.